The following comments are from Greg Gabriel, former director of scouting for the Chicago Bears, and Danny Shimon, scout for the agents, commenting on some draft prospects. What I liked about him when I saw him in person at the East-West. So I think this kid gives you a lot of potential in terms of what you're looking for up front. I see him in the Bears offense as a Z or a slot receiver, not the X, because they want the real big guy playing the X. You know, he could be sitting out there in the third round, and you could be getting a guy that could be your situational pass rusher. I think he's a perfect fit for what I've been told the Bears are looking for. This is my three technique for the Bears, especially if you don't pick a guy like Jalen Carter at the top of the draft. This will be a nice pickup. It's perfectly in the system. My gut feeling is this would not be a guy the Bears would take. It's a good name because that's a guy that I'm intrigued by. Obviously, here with, mm-hmm. with the Bears, you know, defensive line, defensive front is, is a huge need. I think he's the best center in in this draft. Find out who these two real-life scouts are talking about at patreon.com forward slash barroom draft. Welcome, everyone, to this Barroom Network special all about the free agent signings or agreements made today by Ryan Poles and the Chicago Bears. With me, of course, is my good friend, Danny Shimon. Danny, how are you? I'm doing great. Uh, day one of the legal tampering period. And, uh, you know, we expected the Bears to be active and, you know, they didn't disappoint. They're, I think they're one of the first ones to sign a player, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, Jordan T. Silvera will be joining us in about 30 minutes, and we've got a short interview with Sean T. Green, who uh, covers the Philadelphia Eagles. We're going to get his uh, thoughts on T.J. Edwards. Uh, Danny, uh, not too long ago, you gave me a list of the top 10 free agents you would wish the Chicago Bears might target, so they've signed two of the 10 already. What are yeah. you, uh, Nostradamus or something? <laughs> well, no, it's just I just looking at the Bears scheme, having studied the Bears scheme all year, and, and looking you know, for draft prospects, I looked at the free agent market and, and kind of knowing what Ryan Poles, you know, he basically told us what he's got to do. He's going to have to go out and get guys that are coming off their first contracts, not guys coming off their second contracts, you know, looking for a third contract. And I just kind of looked at looked at that that area and that range, and I found guys that, that fit. And, and one of the first guys I earmarked was, was T.J. Edwards. He was a linebacker. Obviously, the, the Bears, you know, need, needing help at linebacker. You know, he was a guy that that really has just came another undrafted free agent out of Wisconsin. Doesn't that sound familiar? Um, you know, made himself into a, a ball player, you know, made the team on special teams. And the next thing you know, he's in the starting lineup. And he's, this guy is a tackling machine. You know, I think last year he had 159 tackles last year. Uh, the guy just, just instinctive, uh, a, a guy who's pretty pretty good in terms of dropping back in coverage and, and being a, a good coverage linebacker as well. So he's a, he's a, he's a four-phase linebacker and, and made himself into a player. And today he made himself into a Chicago Bear with a, with a nice nice contract. Although I think the Bears got a good deal in terms of signing him originally. I think he was the first player, if I'm not mistaken, that actually signed once the actual legal you know tampering period opened up so uh that was one of the guys i earmarked another guy was nate davis the guard from the, the tennessee titans again another kid who's athletic uh who's got a got a nasty mean streak to him 
He was a third-round pick out of Tennessee a couple of years ago. Uh, really started has been starting for Tennessee for all four seasons that he's been at, that he's been in the NFL. Uh, after first five games of a rookie campaign, I believe he, he got turned into the lineup. He hasn't turned back, and he's been the right guard. Uh, this past year was hampered a little bit by by an ankle injury, and that kind of I think he missed four or five games if I'm not mistaken. So he didn't have his best season this past year with, with Tennessee. But another guy that I looked at in terms of beefing up that interior of the offensive line again. This list was made. You know, like a month ago, you know, prior to everything that that's happened the last couple of weeks. So, you know, just, uh, you know, they went off there and just just got those two guys. And then the third guy obviously was was a was a little bit of a surprise, especially after they went ahead and they signed Edwards was was getting Tremaine Edmonds from the Buffalo Bills. And that was probably the, their biggest signing of the day in terms of name recognition. So, you know, the Bears have been been busy. Um, obviously, you know, I like the two linebackers, the two off the ball linebackers, but you guys know me, and you guys have heard me talk over and over again. It's all about the lines, and I know they're not trying. They're out there trying. It's just I like to see some some guys up front there, defensive line, because that that allows those those uh, those front four guys will allow these two linebackers to go out and do their thing and eat with, in terms of tackles and and being able to make plays on the football. I think what we should know by now is that Ryan Poles is going to take a very meticulous approach towards building this team. And he is going to be stingy, not at the orders of George McCaskey. I don't buy that at all. Or the new president, uh, Kevin Warren. I think he had, he knows what his budget is and he's going to manage that budget very carefully. And some of these offensive linemen were asking, we're asking or are asking, some of them are still out there, are asking for an exorbitant amount of money that Ryan Poles probably feels is not in the best interest, long-term interest of the Chicago Bears. He's taking a very methodical, meticulous approach to these signings, and that I applaud him for. I don't want to see another redo of the Ryan Pace era, of the Matt, uh, of the Phil Emery era, any of those previous eras where there was a Band-Aid approach to solving problems and there wasn't a cohesive a well-outlined plan for building this team. I'm very excited about the approach that Ryan Poles is going. But as you said, Danny, there's still a lot more work to be done. And now it's the line of scrimmage, the trenches, where we need to see improvement. What say you to my thoughts? No, I, I agree 100%. And that's something that, again, Ryan Poles, in my, the only thing about Ryan Poles is he's he's very you know open with with what he's, his plans are. Obviously, it doesn't tell you everything, but he just said, he goes, he wants to, just because they have the cap money, doesn't mean they're going to go and splend it all and splurge on, on the first day. They, they want to be able to maintain that flexibility, not just for this offseason, but offseasons to come. So, you know, that, that's something he's keeping his, his word on. But obviously, the, 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 the guys they were rumored to be you know signing today, I am happy that they didn't sign. That's McGlinchey from the, the 49ers who got crazy, you know, premier tackle money from the Broncos. Good luck there, Denver. I think he'll buy two or three years. He'll be probably cut from there. And then the other guy was Bobby Okarike, solid linebacker, but nothing special. You know, he wasn't a guy that that was going to, you know, be, a, a you know, that big of an upgrade over, you know, Nicholas Morrow. So, you know, I'm happy that, that those guys got their own deals and went, you know, respectively wherever they went in terms of, Okarik, I think, signed with the Giants, and obviously we mentioned McLinchy signed with the, with the Broncos. So, you know, my, my one thing is, is you know, defense – and I knew jo Javon Hargrave was just the guy I really, really wanted, but I also – just going kind of recapping what I said earlier, he wasn't going to fit that 
limit. You know, he was looking for his third contract. He wasn't a guy coming out of his out of a second contract. He had a great year last year. Might have been a career year. You know, he cashes in and goes to a, a phenomenal situation there with the 49ers. Uh, so I think that that's a that's a win for him there personally. So you know, the, the guy I'm I'm kind of my eye on right now is Draymond Jones. The uh, the defense tackle from, from the Broncos. Again, a young guy coming out of his first rookie contract. I think, I think only 26 years old. Um, you know, had six and a half stacks last year. So he's not, he hasn't put up monster numbers, but he's a guy that makes his presence known up front, both as a run defender and as an agitator and, and also as an interior pass rusher as well. So definitely a guy out there looking for some, one guy I'm, I'm going to keep on the table for, and, and you guys might think I'm crazy, but it's, it's CJ Gardner Johnson. I, I absolutely would love to see this kid on, on the bears. And again, another guy who's only 25 years old. Okay. Uh, who's, who's, you know, we know him more as an agitator here with, with the Bears from what he was with the Saints and how he got, you know, Anthony Miller and Javon Wims to, to punch him. But, you know, this is a kid that, that led the league in, or tied for a lead, led league, league, uh, tied for interceptions in the league lead with six last, last offseason or last year. Uh, plays a, he's a hybrid safety slash corner, can play some safety for you, can, can ba- come in and play uh, some nickel cornerback for you. And the one thing about these two linebackers, is, you know, and, and Abel Flus mentioned him when he first got here, you know, they play in their nickel uh, package about 74, I think 78% of the time. And I don't have the numbers from the top of my head from in terms of last year, but these two linebackers now, you know, they have these two linebackers on the field and they're going to have five DBs in, in the back in the backfield. So, again, you have two linebackers that can are very well in terms of, you know, pass coverage. Uh, they able, they be able to kind of, you know, uh, plant their heels in, in the ground and transition quickly, come downhill, be able to wrap up and tackle. That's perfect for this defense. Now you just need another defensive back. That's why I'm always feeling like that they're going to get a corner, probably a nickel corner, uh, whether it's in free agency and in the draft. If it's free agency, I want Garner Johnson. If it's in the draft, you know, we'll see what happens there. But uh, you know, definitely, they're definitely building this team or this defense in, in the vision that Matt Eberflus has. Now it's just a matter of getting those guys up front. Um, respond to my buddy Swanky's comment here. He says, here's the deal with Edmonds. This is how he feels. He's an awesome player, but I thought that was meant to be spent. That money was supposed to be uh, spent on a tackle and not an off-the-ball linebacker. Shouldn't we have spent that on Jawan Taylor or McGlinchey? Clearly not McGlinchey, given your feelings on that. But uh, are you concerned that that money went to a – off-ball linebacker as opposed to an area of more need? Am I concerned right now? I, I don't say I'm concerned. I'm, I'm more surprised than concerned. Uh, my, my initial thought was why not put it towards the defensive line as opposed to these these right tackles, right? So, you know, McGlinchey or Jerron Taylor was, was, a, was a better player in terms of uh, overall over McGlinchey, but yet he's also a guy who has, has his issues, right? He's more of a pass-blocking tackle as opposed to a run blocker or reverse McGlinchey was more of a run blocking offensive lineman as opposed to a pass blocking offensive lineman. So, you know, both guys had their holes in their game and you're going to be playing, paying premium dollar for guys that really weren't premium offensive linemen. So my preference for the offensive lineman is if you're going to bring in a, uh, someone to play, you know, right tackle, maybe with, with a, if it's a one year or two year short term, you know, veteran deal, and then now go get your guy in the draft, whether it's the ninth pick or you trade down in the first round, there are three guys I've earmarked in that first round for, for the Bears to take in terms of right tackle. Um, and, and I get think those are one of the three guys they can bring in and compete with a veteran, you know, whether it's a McGarry, you know, to see how he does with, with the with the Falcons, what kind of money he gets, you know, um, you know, or you bring in a guy like a not saying Riley Reef, but someone in that kind of vein where 
He's a veteran who's, you know, at the tail end of his career, you know, could come in and compete with a, you know, with a young, young prospect and, and see who wins that spot. You know, with, with the signing of Nate Davis, you know, my next, my next question was what happens to Tevin Jenkins? You know, Tevin Jenkins is a guy I thought as the season progressed last year, kind of settled in that right guard spot. And I, I kind of had an earmark for that right guard position, you know, now with, with the signing of Nate Davis, you know, is Tevin Jenkins being pushed out to right tackle? You know, is he going to be competing? Is he that quote unquote veteran I've been talking about in terms of competing with a young draft pick to see who wins that right tackle spot? You know, that we'll see what happens there. Or is, is Tevin Jenkins not, you know, not along for this roster? You know, those are some questions now that I have, that I have to, you know, ask the, uh, the you know, Brian Poles and, and, and the coaching staff and see, you know, what are their thoughts here now in terms of Tevin Jenkins and how are they moving forward here? Yeah, my feeling is is that with all of the injury issues that have happened with Tevin Jenkins, you need as much depth as you can possibly afford at that guard position. I I can't believe that the Bears uh, are upset with the play of Tevin Jenkins. They may be upset with some of his personal habits and and because he had been admonished a couple of times uh, this past season. There was questionable relationships between him and the Bears, and of course the injury issue. And so. Having, you know, I, I don't see Cody Whitehair going anywhere. He'll probably, as Greg Gabriel tweeted out today, he'll probably move to center. And so you'll have Davis at the left guard, Jenkins at the right guard. And then if injuries happen, you still should have, you know, some depth at that position to, to get by. Danny, I got a present for you. Um, today, today, when uh, Tremaine, Ed, Tremaine Edward, Edmonds uh, was announced as uh, the Bears, uh, the, the, the Bears agreed with the contract with him. I got a DM from Chris Kepner, who is with Cover One. He covers the Buffalo Bills, and I said, "Chris, can you please come on, talk some football with Danny Shimon? Tell him what you like, what you don't like about Mr. Edmonds." Chris, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks so much for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Hey, Chris, how are you? Doing well, you know, to be completely honest with you, I'm a little sad today because Tremaine Edmonds is a quality football player and I'm sad to lose him. Um, yeah, I mean, he wears a green why. dot. What's that? Tell us why uh, you're sad to lose him. What, what what are his positives? Because clearly the first two, three seasons there, it, they weren't as promising as a lot of us thought. I mean, he was a favorite here at the barroom from our draft analysts. I, I think I recall Danny being a, fa a fan of Edmonds that year he came out. And I know a number of other guys were. Uh, but it, it seemed like the first couple of years or so with Buffalo, he did he didn't play up to expectations. But what what's happened during his career, his four year career with the Buffalo Bills? Well, he's a leader on that defense. He's been wearing the the green dot. He sets the defensive fronts. Um, he makes sure the linemen are set are lined up correctly. He communicates the coverages to the secondary. Um, you know, in the running game, his average tackle depth has been on par with guys like Fred Warner, Devin Bush, Roquan Smith. Um, even more impactfully, um, probably is his role in the passing game. I mean, he tends to he can cover a ton of ground in the middle of the field. Um, he does this effectively with his speed and athleticism, um, as well as high football IQ and ability to quickly recognize plays. Uh, you see, he can carry defenders down the field. He can, um, you know, hook up and cover those hook and curl routes. Um, he uses his height and his length to choke passing lanes and cut off angles, forcing quarterbacks to move on to their next read. This is the type of stuff that doesn't really show up on the stat sheet, 
but it makes a huge difference on the field. And I hope Chicago fans will recognize this more than, I mean, a lot of Buffalo fans, there was a pretty vocal and negative contingent that couldn't really see past the lack of splash plays like sacks and turnovers. So I'm excited for him to have a fresh start in a new place. And I hope he'll become the fan favorite that he deserves to be. Yeah. Yeah, Chris, coming out of uh, Virginia Tech, you know, that draft, that was, you know, him and Roquan Smith. And, and my draft grades had Roquan Smith higher because I just felt like Roquan was a more instinctive linebacker, more of a sideline side side guy. But again, Edmonds was second. But again, I have to, you know, go back and think. Edmonds was only, what, 19 years old when he came out uh, out of Virginia Tech. So he was still a young player, still developing. I think going to Buffalo, you know, you know, being with Sean McDermott and his staff, I think he's developed into one of the, if not one of, the, if not the premier, you know, um, you know, coverage linebacker out there. And then I think also he's developed his game in terms of learning, be able to kind of, you know, read and react, you know, read his keys. And and because he's so athletic, he's so big. I think now he's gotten even more better in terms of, you know, getting through those creases and making some some more impactful tackles. Now he doesn't get the splash plays like you mentioned. But this kid has been a tackling machine. He's had 100 tackles uh, throughout all, all five seasons in, in his NFL career. So, you know, what what did you see in terms of when he first got there and now, you know, how did he tra- transition? Was it the coaching? Was it just Edmonds putting his head into the, you know, his playbook and learning? Was it a combination of both? You know, what made him into the player that he is now? I think it's all of what you're talking about there. I mean, he's been coached up really well. Um Bob Babbage was a great linebacker coach uh, with the Bills, and he recently um, stepped aside to, uh, and now his son Bobby Babbage uh, for the past year has been the, the linebacker coach there. They've done a great job with that group, um, and just remain putting the work in. You know, it's uh, he's still a young guy. There's this kind of running joke in the in like Bills content universe where, you know, draft picks or rookies coming out in the draft, uh, we're always comparing their age to Tremaine Edmonds and he's younger still than some of the rookies coming in. So it's, uh, you know, you've got someone who's heading into, um, what statistically have been the more productive years in a linebacker's career. I mean, you're age 25, age 26, uh, you're going to, I think Chicago's going to get the best years of Tremaine's career. In terms of a, of a blitzer, what kind of blitzer would you describe Tremaine Edmonds? Is he an effective blitzer? Is he an okay blitzer? Um, I mean, he isn't asked to blitz as often as you would think, or he, he wasn't in the in the Bills defense. But when he is asked to do it, he he does it effectively because he can recognize um, he he's got the height and he can recognize quickly and react. And he's 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 super rangy with that speed. Now, it, like, I'm sorry, go ahead, Aldo. Go ahead. I was just going to jump in and ask, how would you grade his tackling? Because the Bears uh, this past season, despite their emphasis on good tackling really showed some deficiencies in that area, and particularly when it came to run defense. You talked a little bit earlier about his run defense, but overall, how would you grade his tackling? Uh, well, the Bills have, as a defense, have had issues with missed tackles, but I think Tremaine has been on the better end of that. Um, I mean, he, you know, I'd say that he's, a, he's an average to pretty good tackler. Um, if I don't have a number grade or anything for you, but that's I, I don't think that he's deficient in that part of his game. Excellent. Go ahead, Danny. No, in terms of uh, in terms of Buffalo, you know, moving on from Tremaine, I, I know they wanted to keep him, but I think it, did it come down to between him and and Milano? Is that, that basically what it came down to? I think that Buffalo um, they're in a tough cap is, cap position right now relative to the Bears, and um, 
I was looking at the structure of that deal. It it looks pretty front loaded, which I think even if the bills were in at the at a similar you know average annual value, I think that the um, the struct I don't think they would have been able to match the structure because of the cap hit in twenty three and twenty four. Um, so you know, good for you guys. Um, I think you got a good one. Now, my my other concern, obviously, is the Bears' defensive line isn't as as dominant or, or as you know as uh, uh, as good as the the Bills' defensive line. So obviously, we all know the defensive front is what allows these linebackers like Edmonds and the other one that the Bears signed with T.J. Edwards to be able to eat and get those tackles. So, uh, in terms of uh, Edmonds' ability to be able to take on and shed blockers, you know, how would you rate his skill there? Is he is he more of a guy that can just give him you know give him some occupied blockers up front of him? He can be able to get peek into the backfield, and make plays. Or is he a guy has developed the ability to go and take on lead blockers, stack and shut the line of scrimmage, and to be able to make you know make plays behind them? Uh, so Tremaine has uh, he can stack and shed. Um, I'm sorry, I lost the first part of your question. What could you just repeat that for me? Is he is he is he a stack and shed a linebacker at the at the point of attack, or is he more of a guy that that needs the defensive line to kind of create those seams for him to be able to kind of peek through and, and get into the backfield, and make plays to be effective? Right, right. So the Bills picked up Daquan Jones last offseason, and this past year you saw a, a jump with both Edmonds and Milano because of that uh, that ability to. Uh, not have to. So one of the things that Jermaine was asked to do a lot more uh, before this year was have more of a two gapping um, outlook, and he is he's been freed up much more by the presence of De, of uh, Dequan Jones in the middle. Um, so yeah, that would be certainly a, a uh, something that would benefit his game is to have uh, a big one tech defensive tackle who can eat up space, and take up a couple gaps. Um, you know, it, as it would help any land linebacker, I would think. But, you know, I think it did. You you did see it unlock him. Chris, I want to thank you immensely for popping in here at the last minute. I uh, really appreciate your insight. Uh, Danny, you have any last questions for Chris before we let him go? No, just the one thing. Again, Chris, thanks again for, for jumping on, like Aldo said. But uh, the one thing, I, I he was a middle linebacker in Buffalo. Here is, I think, and, and I, it's just a, a assumption on my part, I think he's going to be kicked out here to the weak side linebacker. Is there any anything that, that would concern you, you know, having him be a weak side linebacker as opposed to inside as, as a middle linebacker? I don't think so. I mean, he's such a good linebacker in coverage. I think that, uh, you know, I, I really wouldn't be too concerned. Um, I honestly, like, you know, he, he, th he thrives in that middle linebacker role and in the, in the, at least the, you know, the play caller role. Like, I mean, I don't know if you guys have a, a sense at this point of who, who's going to wear that green dot in the Bears defense next year, but uh, Tremaine was definitely effective um, when, when you know, given that task. So um, I would not be concerned at all if, if he's asked to to do that. And and then did did they ever tell you guys why he picks forty nine? That that's a little bit of a th different number for a linebacker. Uh, you know, I'm not sure. I actually don't know if he has ever said to be to be quite honest with you. Just some you of know, the weird, weird thing. I always see forty nine that they're flying around all over the place. I'm like, that's that looks like more like a big safety <laughs> than a linebacker. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I wonder what never wear uh, Chicago. Yeah. You know what's funny is the Eagles today put into the NFL uh, 
competition committee or whatever committee uh, looks at these things, they want to expand the numbers that punters can wear into the okay. 40s and so forth. And I'm like, really, Eagles? <laughs> you're, you're, you're thinking about that now on the first day of legal tampering? But uh, uh, Chris, I want to thank you again very much for popping in. And uh, we'll be uh, bugging you again down the road, particularly when the uh, Bears and, uh, and Bills play uh, again. Right, Thanks for care. having me. And I uh, just want to say, if you guys are interested to, in seeing more of Jermaine film, our, uh, the Cover One founder, uh, Eric Turner, put, has put out a bunch of uh, uh, film breakdowns. I can send you guys the links if you want to throw them in the description or whatever you usually do. But uh, it, it's definitely worth a look. And really, if you want a closer insight into what Jermaine might bring to Chicago. That's fantastic, Chris. And we'll uh, tweet that out as well. So, uh, yeah, please send that to us. And uh, we really appreciate it. All right. Thanks again for having me, guys. Have a good one. Thank you. Take care, Chris. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, here's what I want to do. Uh, be, as we, uh, in about five minutes, uh, Jordan is going to pop in here. I want to share with people a clip from our Barroom Draft exclusives. For the first time ever in the Barroom history, we'll, we've opened up a Patreon.com account. And Greg Gabriel, the former director of scouting for the Chicago Bears, and Danny Shimon are providing scouting reports. And so I wanted to play one of the scouting reports that Danny filed probably around three, four weeks ago. So take a look at this and to get a taste of what many of our, the people who are in our chat room are subscribing to, and hopefully you will too. Take a look. Isaiah McGuire is a kid that when I put on his tape, I hadn't really watched him much throughout the year, but when I put on his tape and I started watching him more, the more I watched, the more I liked. Um, you know, this is a kid, 6'4", 271, a two-year starter. Uh, uh, 2022 was an all-SEC second-team player, um, has started 23 straight games at Missouri. And if you take a look at his production, it, it just continued to get better. It seems like every year, year on, year out. You know, we got three sacks his first year, then six next year, and eight and a half for a total of 17 and a half sacks uh, throughout his career, four forced fumbles. You know, the things I like about Isaiah McGuire is, is solid size with, with room to growth. You know, this is a guy that can get still get bigger, still get stronger uh, up at that point of attack. You know, solid play strength. Uh, you know, physical football player. This guy has knockback power in his hands. You know, he can convert speed to power and bull rush an offensive lineman. You know, solid use of his hands. You see his his rip under move to be able to get underneath the armpit of the offensive tackle and gain that leverage. You also see a swim move as part of his artillery. So he he uses his hands. He has some idea in terms of what he's going to do as a pass rusher. Um, you know, if you watch that Georgia tape, which I did, you know, he gave Broderick Jones, the, their left tackle, who many see as a possible first-round pick, all he could handle in that game against Georgia. Uh, solid versus the run, you know, can take can take on a pulling guard and, and still be able to set the edge. So uh, those are the, the positives that I saw that jumped out to me when I watched Isaiah McGuire at, at, at Missouri. And some of the some of the negatives, if you want to call them negatives, He's not, he's not a twitchy player off the edge. He's more of a power rusher. You know, um, you know he's not a guy that's going to beat you with, with natural bend and, and athletic ability. He's going to be a guy that's going to combine his size, his strength, and be able to, and then some of those quickness, be able to get past that offensive lineman, either bully him into the backfield or, or just kind of work his way, you know, through, through, through the offensive lineman and into the backfield. Um, can, again, another one of these, these pass rushers elevates his pad level. He's got to be able to play behind his pads, win the leverage battle. You win a leverage battle versus offensive lineman, most oftentimes than not, you win the war in terms of getting to that quarterback or doing your job. Uh, has to have a counter. Uh, there, there's a lot of times these offense, these, these defensive ends or pass rushers, they they get these pass rush moves. They get past up into what you want to call the alley in terms of you know where where the quarterback is. 
but then they get just ridden right back past that pocket and that quarterback can just step up into that big gaping hole he leaves there or find a receiver underneath or whatnot. He's got to be able to either develop a spin move or some sort of counter where he can come back, cross the face mask of the offensive lineman and get his inside shoulder and get a beeline to the quarterback. So that's an area where he's going to have to move. But again, he's a guy that's going to have to develop and get better and get coached up. So these are these are just some things where where you, you look at and say, all right, this is where this kid can get better. This this is where this kid can become a more complete defensive end. But in overall, in, in terms of my summary, he's a guy that fits the Bears scheme because I think he can he can build up and be a, you know a, a defensive end there and be a guy in, in your four three scheme that can continue to get after the quarterback, continue to get better. Like I said, he already has an idea in terms of what he does or how he needs to win with his hand usage in terms of pass rush moves. Now we just coach him up, you know, get him a little bit stronger versus the versus the run. He's got to be able to, you know, be a, a better uh, in terms of setting the edge, you know, just make him a more overall complete player. And now you add a guy with that physicality, with with that, you know, with that ability, the competitiveness to be able to develop and to be a, a nice, good defensive end for you. And so that's how I see this guy as a potential 4-3 defensive end for the Bears scheme. I had a chance to talk to him down at the Senior Bowl. Yeah, how are you? Blessing you. Really good. One of our scouts in our organization is in love with your game and sees your upside being incredible. Tell me about your game. What are you most proud of, and what are some of the things that you'd like to work on? Well, sure. I'm most proud of most proud of one. My love for the game. You know, my physicality, my relentless uh, motor, my relentless effort. Like I said, man, you got to play the game of football right and correct. You know, you get in what you put in. What you put in is what you get out of it. Like I said, I want to put everything that I can into it. Uh, God willing for it. For sure. I've been asking a lot of players this question. I'm getting great responses. I'd like to ask you. Can you recall a time in a game where you were facing adversity and how did you respond to that adversity? I mean, you look at my, you know, the, my entire, you know, years at Mizzou, man. Like I said, it was adversity every year. So like I said, that's definitely building character, building mental toughness and building resiliency, you know, for me as a player and definitely as a person. Um, what uh, are you hoping for in the NFL? What are your dreams and how badly do you want to be in the NFL and play at a high level? Absolutely, man. Like I said, you know, being here, you know, proves that, you know, you want it. For sure, like, you know, for me, I want to have a, you know, longevity type of career, like I said, where I can touch a lot of lives, you know, make an impact in communities. And like I said, really be an inspiration, uh, you know, with like Jesus Christ, you know, who I am and my character and uh, how I walk. Is there any uh, particular scheme that you prefer to play in? Honestly, like I said, you know, you know uh, I feel like I definitely flourished as an edge piece. Uh, you know, when we went back to, you know, the more traditional 4-3 uh, or 4-2-5 defense uh, at the University of Missouri, man. So, but I definitely show versatility, uh, you know, throughout my entire collegiate uh, career for sure. Like I said. Is there a quarterback in the NFL that you're looking forward to sacking? <laughs> Good luck to you, man. That was Isaiah McGuire, and that was Danny Shimon's uh, report, scouting report on him that you can find at patreon.com forward slash barroom draft. It's just $5 a month to get all of Danny's scouting reports and then add another $5 a month uh, for Greg Gabriel's as well. And with just a couple of months left uh, before the draft, you're if you sign up now, you're paying a very, very little cost for some outstanding draft reports. Danny, anything regarding uh, what Chris said about Edmonds that stuck out to you and that you'd like to comment on? 
No, I mean, j- just the continued growth of, of the player. I mean, uh, like I mentioned earlier with, with him, uh, you know, coming out with, and he was in that Roquan uh, Smith draft. And, and again, he was second uh, behind Roquan for me in terms of linebacker, just because I think, you know, Roquan, like I said earlier, was just a better instinctive player in terms of reading his keys and being able to get to the, you know, the point of contact and being able to get to the ball carrier. And I think, you know, Edmund showed promise, you know, he showed the physical gifts that we see today, you know, you know, big six, five, you know, 250 plus pound, you know, uh, athletic lineman line with you know long I'm sorry linebacker with long strides I can get from point A to point B real quickly so I think again he was just a 20 or 19 or 20 years old I forgot he was really young uh you know he's been in the league for five years now and just continuing to get better and and we talked about it earlier with with TG Edwards you know he's a guy another linebacker that gives you really good coverage skills and Chris kind of confirmed that in terms of his ability to be able to go drop back and be you know a menace in terms of you know the pass coverage and all that stuff so I think Bears really improved themselves in terms of pass defense and I think they got themselves two linebackers that you know uh like I said, transition quickly down. You know, if they're, they're dropping back to their to their you know landmarks, they can see anything comes in, down in front of them. They can transition quickly, plant their back leg, and just kind of come downhill and are pretty good wrap up tacklers. So I think that that's the idea that and then which what uh, you know Eberflus and his staff wants to do here. Just you know, athletic guys that can make plays sideline to sideline if need to in a run game. But also, guys in coverage won't won't hurt you, and able to give you some you know some playmaking ability, some some you know nice coverage, and be able to get you off of off the field on third down. So uh, you know, su- surprised that they went you know two again two guys two off the all ball linebackers initially. Um, but you know, I, I, like I said, they're they're still trying to work now and get some of those guys up front now. And as Chris said, you know, you know they he got better. Uh, he being Tremont Edmonds when they got Daquan Jones this year, and he's a bigger body defensive lineman up front that can that can take on you know. Uh, two blockers and, and kind of occupy space and allow athletic linebackers like Milano over there at Buffalo and Edmonds be able to kind of run and, and make plays there, you know, and, 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 you know, kind of, you know, rack up those tackle numbers. So that's what the bears are probably going to be looking to do here as well as, is, is, is get some guys up front that will allow these two guys to go ahead and, and, you know, get those tackles and also make plays on the ball. All right. Without further ado, I want to bring in Jordan T. Silvera into the conversation. And anytime we have Jordan in the house, in the bar room, it uh, results in extremely fun conversations, sometimes debates, sometimes disagreements. But I got a feeling today this is going to be a love fest because Jordan has been on Twitter today uh, expressing his excitement about today's uh, Ryan Poe's deals. Jordan, how are you, my friend? I'm well. Good evening, Barflies. Danny, good to see you. Pleasure to join you both. And I'm excited to talk about today. It's a good day to be a Chicago Bears fan, that's for sure. There you go. Why don't we start with Tremaine Edmonds and give us your scouting report on Edmonds and how you feel about that signing. Absolutely. To me, Tremaine Edmonds, similar to Danny, I thought was my linebacker two in that 2018 class. Um, as much as I would tell you that I loved, and I'm a guy that likes big linebackers, athletic freaks. You're going to hear me call Tremaine Edmonds a condor for his wingspan and just the the athletic traits that he has. But I, it was no doubt in my mind that back in 2018, when you're running that Vic Fangio 3-4 odd front defense, you want a guy that's instinctive, a little smaller. You can deal with some of what Roquan Smith had. Now, if you knew that, you know, in five, six years later, you were going to be moving to that even front. Of course, you would have rather had Tremaine Edmonds, this guy that's 6'5", 250, condor, wingspan, great in coverage so the move makes sense it's you know just odd how you end up swapping linebackers in that draft class uh to me it's it's going to be interesting to see his fit i can't ever tell you that i love a contract for an off-ball linebacker that's so i guess you could say risky (laughs) so ambitious but at the same time it doesn't mean that it's a bad move it just means that 
the way I'd put it is you are trying to thread a tighter needle at that point. The moment that you say, I'm willing to pay an off-ball linebacker $18 million, it's not that a Tremaine Edmonds can't live up to that, but boy, he's got to be special to be able to do that. So if Ryan Poles and Ian Cunningham and company are willing to try to thread that needle a little tighter and say, this is our guy, this is, the, this is going to be the Shaq Leonard and the maniac of this defense, then who am I to argue with it? Let's see it. The results are the only thing that we can wait for, but I'm excited about it. Go ahead, Danny. Yeah, that's the thing, uh, Jordan, you, you mentioned. Uh, that's something I forgot to mention earlier when we talked about it, man. This is going to be, you know, Matt Ebers versus, you know, Shaq Leonard, if you will. You know, the guy that's going to be able to, you know, like I said, make plays on the ball in terms of whether it's, you know, you know, tip balls, interceptions, you know, the, the splash plays that, you know, our, our guest earlier, Chris, said that, you know, he kind of lacked in Buffalo. So, you know, I think that putting him in, in, the, in the weak side position here with this defense, you know, it's going to give Edmonds an opportunity that he didn't have in Buffalo playing the middle. So I think that's something to look forward to as well when you kind of project to see where, where he goes here. So, but the, but the, my, my biggest, I, I, I was even more excited about TJ Edwards. You know, I talk about another, you know, uh, tackling machine, uh, 159 tackles this year, you know, uh, another, uh, you know, undrafted free agent out of, out of Wisconsin. Sounds familiar, right? Uh, you know, just makes his way on the roster and then develops into a, a nice, you know, starting linebacker. And I think, he, you know, he also was the, the guy with the green dot. So it would be curious to see, you know, what they do here in terms of, you know, the Bears and who's going to be calling the play. So what were, you, what were your initial results or, or thoughts on TJ Edwards signing there, Jordan? Love the TJ Edwards signing, Danny. The reason for it is, again, I'm like, to me, what free agency represents, and I've said this before, is it's an arena that's rife for overpaying and regret and I just think, again, you're talking about where can you find value. And so to me, getting TJ Edwards for, what was it, about $6 million annual average per year, that's really not a bad deal for a guy that, when surrounded by talent, and I'll use this as a bit of a negative, but again, I think it's positive. One thing we absolutely know is the floor for TJ Edwards is that when he's surrounded by a ton of great talent, he's a tackle machine that just gets after it. And again, I mean, it's to me, this has Ian Cunningham's fingerprints all over it. This is a guy that came in as a badger, undrafted, as you said, had to play special teams, work his way up the depth chart. I mean, had competition brought in in the form of N'Kobe Dean, then N'Kobe Dean couldn't even see the field because of T.J. Edwards. He and Kazir White were playing that off-ball linebacker there. So, I mean, wore the green dot, got everybody lined up, called the plays, and then showed enough instinctive play and football intelligence to be able to ID what the offense was doing and get to the, whatever spot was needed on the field. I mean, and this is the thing. I know talking about RAS scores wasn't extremely athletic coming out, but the tape shows something different. I mean, there's tape of him scraping over the top to cover Taysom Hill on a QB power. Taysom Hill's extremely explosive. You've got play of him running from the far hash over to just, uh, excuse me, Jonathan Taylor from the Colts on a screen. Like the, the tape is, is gorgeous of TJ Edwards. And that's where um, I was a big Bobby Okereke fan. Glad to see he went to the Giants. Happy he got a deal. But TJ Edwards is no drop off, no slouch in that department. I was excited to see him as the first signing today. Hey, uh, guys, earlier today I spoke with uh, Sean Green, who uh, covers the uh, Philadelphia Eagles along with uh, runs a gambling podcast. And I wanted to get his thoughts because he's helped us before every time something Eagles related impacts the Chicago Bears. And so I reached out to him and uh, here's a five minute interview I had with him earlier today. Now, let me welcome in. Sean Green from the SGP Network. His uh, flagship show is the Sports Gambling Podcast. Sean, how are you? Doing great, man. Uh, how about you? Uh, Free agency, huh? Exciting day here in Chicago. Uh, a number of signings. Tremont, Tremaine Edmonds, the big signing. But uh, you're here to talk about the Eagles middle linebacker who the Bears signed, 
TJ Edwards. What can you tell us about the type of player Edwards is? He's just a guy that's very dependable and he's coming off a career year. I, I think highs in like every sort of metric um, had a bunch of tackles for the Eagles, 159 tackles, 10 for a loss, two sacks. Um, you know, in my Eagles group chat with my buddies, uh, as soon as he got signed, it was like, oh, crap. I, and kind of knowing that the Eagles weren't going to reassign him, but he's a guy I liked and he's a guy you really became familiar with this year because you heard his name a lot because he was just in on a bunch of tackles. So I think he will be missed. I mean, from the Eagles point of view, they're just never going to be an organization that really pays linebackers. Um, and, you know, they they spent decent draft capital on N'Kobe Dean last year, and he kind of had to play behind Kaiser White and and uh, TJ Edwards because they were playing so well. He couldn't, he couldn't crack the starting lineup. And from everything I read, it wasn't because he was dogging it or not you know, didn't show him anything. It was just uh, TJ Edwards and Kaiser White were better and they were veterans. So hopefully for the Eagles, uh, Dean kind of comes into his own. And again, the Eagles are just a team that's not going to put a ton of money at the linebacker position. But just as a player, I, I think it's a good signing. The the thing that really, st- I, I don't think he's like the greatest in uh, pass defense. But again, you know, the the type of defenses they were running, they didn't ask a ton for him in in pass defense. He's a, he's a very reliable tackler, I would say, as well. Um, you know, and some of it, you don't know if it's scheme or whatever. He only has two career interceptions. He didn't have any this year. So I don't know. He's, he's not a guy that's going to create a lot of turnovers, at least interception-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't force any fumbles. Obviously, you'd like to see a little bit of that. I mean, would have been great if he could have created a turnover or two in the Super Bowl. Uh, maybe we get a different outcome there. <laughs> but uh, as he's just kind of like a reliable, steady tackler who's just going to rack up a ton of tackles. Um, and, and maybe that's his downside is he doesn't have those. Yeah, you know, I, I guess to compare him to like uh, you know the flashy top of the end, your TJ Watts or something like that. He's obviously not up there, but he's like a very good, just like reliable linebacker that's going to get you tackles. That's going to be there and run support. I know that was a big issue with the Bears, so I, I totally understand why the Bears would go after. What? Uh, how much is he going to be missed by the uh, by the Eagles? Uh, they lost three players today: uh, Javon Hargrave. Uh, Edwards and there's the safety. Uh, who is it? The Epps. Epps. Yeah. So, um, how much is is TJ going to be missed by the by the Eagles? I think a lot of it d- depends on how how much they get out of Kobe Dean. Uh, the fact that they didn't tr- try to resign Edwards makes me do th- makes me think they're going to resign their other linebacker, Kaiser White. Um, so that'll help kind of fill the gap there. But yeah, I mean. Again, he was just like a guy you could trust. And there certainly with a linebacker, you want someone there in the middle that you know is just gonna be there and and rack up a ton of tackles. So yeah, I, I think he will be missed. Uh, but again, I think the Eagles are banking on the upside with N'Kobe Dean, considering where they drafted him and just kind of how they viewed the linebacker position in general. Um, you will see. Like of the guys that got signed today. I think Hargrave, probably the biggest uh, guy they're going to miss. But again, the Eagles are sitting in a place where they have a ton of cap space and a ton of draft capital. I mean, much like the bears, uh, not quite as much as the bears after they traded down out of, out of one there, but the Eagles have the 10th pick and uh, what is it? 31st overall. So I would be very shocked if we don't get a, a stout. Uh, I think one of those picks is going to be a defensive lineman, which will help, 
you know, fill the gap from the guys they're losing. But I, I expect to see a D lineman there at 10 or at the worst uh, end of the first round there. Yeah, Eagles with uh, the 10th and 30th picks of the first round, so they can easily uh, find some solutions to those those problem areas that they're going to be facing. And, you know, this this happens to uh, teams that go deep into the playoffs, into the Super Bowl, uh, and uh, they usually are going to lose some players uh, because their market value is going to go uh, uh, really high. At $19 million, do you think that's a deal for the Chicago Bears? I don't know. You, again, you got to always like look at the uh, his guaranteed money is only 12. So that's that's usually what ends up. That's usually only the only thing those guys actually see. Uh, again, it's probably it's probably like a fair price. He's not a guy I would pay, you know, so essentially what 12 million guaranteed. He's not a guy I would pay like seven, eight million dollars to. So you definitely. Um, I, it's probably like right there on the price for like a reliable starting linebacker. Um, yeah, I because I, I think other teams were interested, so I, I think it was going to be tough to get him cheap. Um, mm-hmm. But still, I don't think no one could call this an overpay. Sean Green, I know uh, you just arrived in Las Vegas, so it's very nice of you to set up your equipment and uh, join us here on the Barroom Network. I really appreciate it. Oh, appreciate uh, yeah, appreciate you having me, and uh, yeah, thanks. And uh, everyone, check out Sports Gambling Podcast. Got a ton going for March Madness, and uh, yeah, we'll be diving into the NFL draft as well. And where can people find you on Twitter as well? Uh, at Sean T Green or at Gambling Podcast. You got it, brother. Thank you very much. All right, that was Sean T Green, uh, guys. Uh, there's a debate or conversation in the chat room going about where's Edmonds going to play. Where is Edwards going to play? Uh, so I'd like you guys to discuss it. Danny, you first. Uh, Edmonds will be the weak side linebacker. Uh, Edwards will be the middle linebacker. And then Jack Sanborn is going to be their uh, uh, Sam linebacker in their base, uh, in their base 4-3. And then when you go to nickel, obviously, uh, you're going to have both uh, Edmonds and Edwards in there. And I think Sanborn then goes, gets relegated to, to the bench. Yeah, it's, it's funny, Danny. I, I, not that uh, Aldo wants us to disagree, but I don't think you're going to get much disagreement from me there. Um, I, I thought Sean Green's uh, description and kind of overview of what uh, Edwards brings to the table is, is valuable and insightful. And I, I would I, I as much as I agree with you that you're going to see Edwards playing the mic and Edmonds playing that weak side linebacker. I actually think it's just, and I don't know if you thought about this, kind of a unique change compared to what we're so used to. Whether it goes back to Monty Kiffin, to to Lovey Smith, to even what Eberflus kind of had going and. In Indy, and so what you kind of see is Edwards is that guy that isn't super athletic, but is instinctive and kind of mm-hmm. plays faster. And that really reminds me of Lance Briggs coming out. Greg Gabriel's talked about the fact that you know Lovey said, "Ah, uh, I don't want that guy because he's not athletic." And they're like, "Just watch the tape, and you'll see." And I, I see that a lot with Edwards. And mm-hmm. you know, Lance was that weak side linebacker here, and it's just I think you're going to just see a little bit of a flip there, where Edwards is the Mike playing that kind of that athletic profile of Lance Briggs. And then you're going to have Tremaine Edmonds, who's that athletic profile, Brian Erlocker, but they're going to imp- deploy him much like Shaq Leonard in that will spot. Now, I will say the only real difference I do think, though, is that you're going to have the length and the athleticism from Tremaine Edmonds to be dropping into the Tampa two looks, those inverted cover twos, talking about taking care of the digs, the the in-breaks, the, the, uh, the bench routes, things of that sort, those deep curls, um, as well as having him probably play up on those power slots or those athletic tight ends. Um, so in those scenarios, I could see him probably taking care of the middle of the field much more than I think you're going to put Edwards out there where he'll take care of the flat and the uh, first to fourth defender. 
Yeah, well, that's the thing that that these guys both bring you is that ability to be able to drop back in coverage and, and make plays on, on the ball. I mean, how many times, you, even with Roquan Smith, you know, I was one of, a big Roquan fan, but there's a lot of times you saw him get lost in coverage. Yep. You know, I think that's that's one of the reasons why this this coaching staff and that and his $20 million asking price is probably the reason why Roquan's on this team is because I think his his coverage skills – uh, weren't as as you know as good as as some of these guys are. So I, I think that's that's one of the things where they said, you know what, you're not the, the linebacker that we can trust, you know, for four downs out there uh, to be you know to be dominant. You could probably be dominant first, second down, even on some third down situations. But just you know, I think they, they like the fact that that you know Edmonds bring you that brings that athletic ability, that that length, um, you know, and again, and, and then Edwards brings you that you know the instincts. They'll be able to quickly read and diagnose and, and be able to kind of be one step ahead of what the offense is doing just because he's, he's done the film study. You know, he's, he's a guy that's more cerebral than, than athletic, you know, and then again, that, that's obviously productive when he gets onto the football field. So, you know, that, that there are times where, you know, these combine numbers and the athletic abilities are, are, you know, they're off the charts and we love them, but you know, it, it comes down to on Sundays is just being a football player. And I think Edwards is a guy that might not, you know, is not a guy that tested well, but I think he's a guy that that brings the instincts and just as a damn good football player. So I think that that's where Edwards and that's why one of the reasons one of the reasons why he was high on my list in terms of a guy that I was, I was hoping that they would go and, and kind of sign and, and bring in. And and unfortunately, they did that. Well, and I think you're seeing and I'll be very quick, although I think you're seeing kind of that point of with somebody saying, don't forget about Jack Sanborn. T.J. Edwards is that same type of guy where, look, the film says something different than the athletic testing. I'm sorry, but it's just the truth. And I mean, Cliff had mentioned like, hey, the money's where the, the will is. And I do think in this case, follow the money. They're not paying eight, seven, 18 million, 17 million for a Mike backer. They're playing it for the will. So again, follow that money. That's where Edmonds is going to play. And I mean, really it's, and I know Danny, you can probably speak to this as well. It just makes sense that this is the guy that they, they started falling for. In the NFL today, the way that the game is played in the modern level you need these lanky backers that are condors. And, and what's so special about Edmonds is that he's not a former DB or safety, like, you know, Christian Harris out of Alabama or one of these guys, Dan Henley, where they don't have that prerequisite size of a backer. I mean, he looks like he's coming from, you know, a decade ago as a linebacker, but he still possesses all of the athleticism to be that coverage ace the way that, I mean, although you have a, a clip there where he's covering Mike Gesicki down the seam and it's, that's Fred Warner stuff. Like, I mean, that's that's what Fred Warner's responsible for doing. That's why Green Bay drafted Quay Walker. This is the standard for what linebackers need to be able to do today. Um, and so really, I it's like I said, it's a very boomer bust because I'll be frank in saying I don't think his production at Buffalo has warranted this contract. But I also understand that when you see the the highs, it's you've got a coaching staff that's Dave Borgonzi and Coach Iberflu saying, give me the traits. I promise we can get that out of them every play. Yeah, at the combine, Iberflus was asked, you know, what are you looking for in, in these defensive players? And he said, you know, four things that I wrote down because it stuck out to me. He says violence, length, tenacity, and be able to get after the quarterback. Now he doesn't give you much in terms of get after the quarterback, but he's got, you know, he's got violence when he hits you. You can feel it. Yep. You know, uh, he's physical when he when he tackles you. He's got the length, obviously, and he's got the tenacity to be able to go sideline to sideline and make plays. So I think, and that's the same thing with with uh, with T.J. Edwards. Same way, you know tenacity you know he, he, the length is not there in terms of just like Edmonds but he's a guy like I said he's just cerebral guy who knows where to be and a guy that can make plays and you know take on blockers and, and, and shed and stack and be able to you know get at the ball carrier so you know that's one of the things where I, I knew the coverage was going to be good with, with Edmonds I, that's why I asked uh, Chris from our Buffalo uh, representative in terms of you know how is he in terms of at the line of scrimmage at the point of contact being able to you know take on blockers stack and shed he said he's gotten better 
Uh, obviously, that, you know, when he came into the league, he was only 20 years old. So, you know, that's an area of, of his game where he had to get better at. So, you know, we'll see. Hopefully that is that is the case. He is, a, you know, better in terms of being able to take on blockers and stacking and shedding. But, you know, we talked about it earlier, you know, defensive line, is that's where you eat blockers. That's where you give these guys the ability to kind of roam free and, and you know, get a, a clear path to the quarterback. And and as, as we were just talking here, um, you know, a couple of linemen that I had earmarked, Jermon Jones signs with, with the Seahawks. Um, and Zach Allen uh, uh, goes to, to the Broncos. So, you know, there's another couple guys off the board there. Um, is it time to panic? Not yet. I, I still think like Ryan Poles has something up his sleeve. Um, I just, you know, it might be a trade. It might be someone that, that we are not earmarked as being available. And next thing you know, uh, you know, Wednesday comes around and, and, you know, the Bears might make a trade. So we'll see what happens. And obviously the, the ninth pick, you know the the uh, the uh, the elephant in the room there is, is is Jalen Carter. You know how far will he slide? You know I've I've heard some reports where there are more things that are going to come out. Obviously that just 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 a, a report. It's nothing confirmed. So you know if more things come out uh, in terms of some of the off field stuff that that could he could take a tumble down the board. And you know if you're the Bears, you know they're they're doing their homework. They're doing their due diligence due diligence as they should. And if you're comfortable taking them, whether it's at nine or maybe dropping down a couple more slots and picking them up. You know, that definitely could be a nice, you know, fit there uh, inside your defensive line. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, these guys coming off the boards quickly here, and, and it's getting a little slim pickings in terms of defensive line. Guys, great stuff. Let's turn over, turn our thoughts over to Gabe Davis, the offensive lineman acquired from the Titans. Uh, what uh, What are your thoughts on him? I know, I think both of you had him on your uh, wish list. Uh, Jordan, start with you. Yeah, Nate, Nate Davis is funny. He's a, he's a guy that I had kind of pegged as like a dream realistic target for me. Uh, I'm a big fan of John Robinson, the Titans, and what they had built there and kind of their island of misfit toys. And to me, Nate Davis is – I'm looking for war daddies on the offensive line, like people that are just going to road grade and open up highways for your running backs. And don't get me wrong, pass pro is important. And although I know we've heard you and we've talked about it before that interior protection is the best way to support your quarterback. And so I'll be the first to say that's not – Nate Davis's strong suit. I think he can certainly improve in pass pro. But again, I think some of this is about we want to run the ball. We want that to be our identity. We want to bash your teeth in so much that when we hit you with the play action or the boot game with Justin Fields, you have to respect it because Tevin Jenkins and Nate Davis have just been pancaking your guys left and right on every single play. And I think um, Nate Davis is a guy that's real squatty. If you watch him in his stance, he's almost lower than any defensive lineman getting out, which really gives him an automatic uh, boost in the leverage game and getting under the pads of a defender and kind of jackknifing them up through here to kind of get them moving backwards and put them on skates. And so um, what I really found impressive is uh, with him, especially and before I let, give this over to Danny, is I think he's a big guy. And like I said, he's kind of squatty, but he moves exceptionally well for his size. I know people think that the Titans are this gap scheme. That's all they ran, but they ran quite a bit of zone with Derrick Henry there. Um, and he really got after it to the point I was putting some clips on Twitter today of him getting out in space where you've got linebackers complaining of he hit me below the, the, the kneecap. And that's not fair because they're just like, how is this big guard getting to the second level on the backside and reaching me so quick? And so um, this is easily my favorite uh, signing of the day. D Davis is a guy I've been on for months and been begging for for Ryan Poles to, to, uh, to snag him. And to me, that's it's nothing better than feeling like my scouting eye is kind of matching with what the GM's doing at the Bears. And so uh, I love it. Danny, what do you think? Yeah, as I mentioned earlier, top of the show, you know, I met a list of 10, you know, unrestricted free, unrestricted free agents that I wanted the Bears to go after, and, and TJ Edwards and Nate Davis were both on there. And and similar to what 
what Jordan just said, you know, he was a guy that that's, you know, tenacious in, in terms of his run blocking. Um, you know, you know, if first glance, you don't think he's a fit for this scheme in terms of being able to move laterally, but you know, for a guy who's 316 pounds, he is a guy who's got some nimble ability also has some nastiness to him. You know, he's a guy that will bury you. And I, and you guys know me from all these years of, of doing these scouting reports. I love on my offensive linemen that, go ahead and, and it will take advantage and, and bury a defender when you have a chance. So, you know, that's something that Nate Davis does as well. You know, pass blocking again, he's, he's a right guard and he's a guy that, that, you know, could get better there. Uh, but, but again, you know, f- uh, five games into his rookie campaign, the third round pick out of Tennessee, the kid got the starting job at right guard and hasn't lo- had never looked back. You know, he's been a starter for Tennessee since then. So that tells you in terms of, you know, how impressive he was for Tennessee. And, and again, you, you get a guy that can come in and, and probably, you know, be a starter day one for you. And um, again, you know, there's more work to be done. You know, a right guard wasn't a position that had earmarked in terms of, you know, uh, necessarily a, a position you can go ahead and up, upgrade day one. But I think the Bears obviously went ahead and said, you know what, we need to improve our, our interior offensive line. And Nate Davis is the guy that does that. The guy I was actually looking for as well is, is Isaac Samolo from uh, Eagles. But uh, he's still out there. He hasn't signed yet. I'm, I'm curious to see. You know, Davis has played predominantly right guard. Uh, Isaac, I think, has played some left guard. Uh, and if I'm not mistaken, Jordan, if you know off the top of your head, correct me if I'm wrong. But, uh, you know, that'd be a nice guy. If you're looking into, to kind of secure the interior of your offensive line, I think, and again, Cody Whitehair to me is just a guy. He's not He's not great. And he's not horrible. But if he, if he designate him a, a post-June 1st cut, you, you save about $9 million up against the cap. And I think if you can upgrade there with with a kid like Isaac, or or maybe if, if you you know you get to the point in the draft where you bring in a Skoransky uh, from Northwestern to play your left guard, and I've been talking about fortifying that left side of the offensive line. You know, the more you have fortified, the better it is. But obviously, right now, center and, and right tackle are are going to be my primary focus, and see how this team goes about fulfilling those two spots. So, uh, but yeah, Nate Davis is a, is a nice you know nice signing there. Uh, again, nothing nothing broke the, you know that broke the bank or anything like that. Uh, had an off year this past year, you know, missed the last five games with, with an ankle injury, so he wasn't up to par. Um, but yeah, definitely a guy that that was a, was a surprise that they were able to get him done. And again, the more protection Justin Fields has, the more weapons he has on the outside, uh, that's gonna make me happy. Now, I just got to get some more players, especially a right tackle, and then let's talk about defensive line. Guys, we got some breaking news. Uh, thanks to the chat for letting us know about this. Uh, it's being reported that the Bears are signing former Titans defensive tackle Demarcus Walker to a two-year deal worth about $14 million, and that's according to Mike Garofalo. Walker had seven sacks this season. Guys, uh, I see Jordan smiling broadly. What say you about this, uh, Jordan? Well, I mean it- – I, again, I'm, I guess call it a bias, but you see the baby blue he's wearing. I'm telling you, you're not going to find me disagreeing with Mike Vrabel guys, John Robinson guys. This is a guy that can certainly – it's funny. He's got a very unique body, and it, it makes total sense to me when you see it. He looks like an Eberflus three-tech. He's got the – and in a 3-4 in a odd front, he's played some edge. He's played kind of that four-eye inside. But this is a guy that if you wanted him to shed a few pounds or kind of play outside and be just – uh, kind of a thrasher that's going to just body your tackle on a five tech. You could do that. Now, of course, we're not going to run that uh, in this scheme. So it looks like he's going to be your three tech. Now, again, I don't think this is that splash signing, but this is talking about maybe passing on a Draymond Jones because you're not willing to commit 17 million a year to your three tech um, in free agency. And you want to go with this guy of kind of approve it. And I look at Demarcus Walker, like he's a guy that's kind of ascending never broken out, but he's always been productive. He finds ways to stick on teams on one or two year deals. And um, I would encourage any Bears fans that I'm excited to hear what Danny has to say, because if you've watched any Demarcus Walker, this one makes sense to me. I really like the player. 
Yeah, this is what we call, a, 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 I think, a player that's ascending. Um, Jordan, you know, you know, he's a kid from, I remember him from Florida State because when I heard the name, I'm like, wait, the guy was, was an edge player out of Florida State. You know, 6'4", 280 pounds. He was, that's where he was, the Broncos drafted him. He's played defensive, and I believe that was the Vic Fangio defense, yeah. so they had him playing a five technique. So obviously, you know, the, the numbers weren't there. The production wasn't there. Um, you know, I think in 2018, only had only played in three games, so it might, might have been injuries there. You know, it looks like, you know, he had one start in, in 2019 and then uh, 2020, only four starts. I think this past season is where, you know, kind of got more of an opportunity and looks like he was kicked inside to defensive tackle. Now, this guy only started six games last year for Tennessee and had seven sacks and 10 tackles for loss with 16 quarterback hits. So, you know, this is, uh, you know, limited production. It sounds like a guy that was kind of brought in as part of a rotation and, and, and produced for them. So, you know, he might be a guy that, you know, could be part of a, a, a rotation up front. Uh, we talked about, you know, Draymond Jones going to uh, Seattle. So that, that might have, once they lost out on him and Zach Allen, this is probably another guy that just kind of brought in and said, all right, you know what? He can come in and he can give us some snaps at defensive tackle. By, by no means are they done. I think this is just more of a guy, if, if I had to guess, as, as, as opposed to bringing, bringing him in as a starter, I think they brought him in as more of a rotational piece, a guy that's going to be up, up front there, you know, kind of come in and out in terms of the uh, at defensive tackle rotation. So, um, you know, don't freak out and think this is their three technique. I, I think this is just a guy that that's going to, you know, in limited time last year, you know, being kicked inside for the first time in his career, produce some some solid numbers with the limited on his snaps. I think this is a guy that they see as as a nice depth piece and a guy that can give him some nice snaps, especially on pass rushing situations. So we'll see how, how we'll see what else they add to it. You're spot on, Danny. I mean, that's the thing too is you you kind of alluded to those stats, and I hope people realize that's in a limited role, and he's just owning it. The stat sheet. I mean, those are the guys you're looking for that are are putting up those measurable stats. And I mean, I see Zimmerman's here talking about 16 QB hits. Like that's important. That's pressure. That's getting to the quarterback and getting in his face and making him feel it, even if he's getting the ball off. And again, this is not a starter. This is a guy that Todd Downing and that Titans defense was kind of scheming up opportunities while they had guys like Harold Landry out for the year. They were struggling to find pass rush, and you find it in a guy like Demarcus Walker here uh, that I think is a – like I said, you're, you're absolutely right, Danny. This is not your set-it-and-forget-it three-tech, but this is that value that we're talking about that I'm so excited with Ryan Poles where I'm not going to break the bank for a guy that I don't believe deserves 17. So sure, I know everybody thinks that the money's just endless and you can just afford to spit it out wherever you want. But to me, $7 million a year for a guy that put up stats in a limited role, uh, how much, again, ascending, where is that ceiling? How much more can we get out of him? And where can we put him? And this is the thing. I think if you put him head up on a guard and you find a way to scheme those one-on-ones, he's going to beat the hell out of a guard more times than not. And that's the pressure that you're looking for. And the thing is, I'm trying to look up. I'm trying to look up Draymond Jones. I'm. A, I think Draymond Jones only had six and a half sacks last year, and he. Yep. But he was a starter, right? So, but again, he, you know, he gets that money from 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 Seattle. I just look at the breakdown of his contract. It was twenty three and a half million the first year, and then thirty five some million in the next two years. So it's it's a little a little front loaded. Yep. Uh, but again, you're paying him twenty three million dollars for a guy who only had six six sacks, and I think that was a career high last year. So you know, uh, this kid here, Walker, had seven sacks last year. Again, limited role. Uh, but you're paying him seven million as as opposed to paying him twenty three million. So again, I think that you know there's more to come, and I think that this is just. I mean, remember when uh, Levy Smith was here? That was just like they would bring in guys, you know, kind of rotate guys here and there, whether it's you know the ends or or the defensive tackles, you know. So I think this is the more of the same here. There's going to just gonna continue to bring guys that can you know bring bring you a presence, at, especially on, on third downs. You know, already he's he's a leader, uh, team leader in sacks, right? Because I mean, up until that was what Jaquan Brisker was a leader in sacks. What was yeah. it four? 
four or five that Briscoe had last year, and he was a, the team leader in sacks. So that was pretty pitiful. The defensive unit that, that your safety, your rookie safety, was your leader in sacks. So uh, again, just a piece of the puzzle. Uh, not not someone that that, that you're going to go sit there like Jordan. I've been saying is going to be your day, day one, you know, you know, day two start, week one, week two starter. Uh, just a guy that's going to be there and it's going to give you some some competition there, especially if they bring in some young kids, some rookies as well. Well, and I, I and Aldo, if I could just get one last thing in here too. I mean, this is the thing that I just drives me crazy because I know people are so obsessed with the the household names, whether it's McGlinchey because of draft status or any of these other things. But I really wish that that fans would realize that right now, Ryan Poles has ten lottery tickets at, and again, that can expand, that can that can reduce. And I also don't think of those ten tickets as they have to go just on three days in April. One of those tickets could be a round two pick for a Laramie Tunsil if you want to make him the highest paid tackle on your team. Again, I'm we're we're we're, we're theorizing here, but I'm saying you can use that. That's the flexibility that he's created. So it doesn't all have to be done on one day in free agency. And I know everybody wants a Draymond Jones or a Javon Hargrave, but there are still great players out there. Yeah, you know, we talk about Demarcus Walker, a guy, and I'm sure you're you're relatively high on him, Danny. I'm taking a, uh, I guess a leap of faith here, but Charles Amenahu is kind of that same type of role player to me, and I like Charles Amenahu. Yes. You've got Greg Gaines out there that can play your one tech. We talk about keep those linebackers free. Let Greg Gaines eat up some space like you're jumping ahead jordan these are the guys we're going to talk about in terms of guys but seriously i just pulled up draymond jones numbers and again i was first one and said i wanted the bears to go get draymond jones but you know he had six and a half sacks last year which was a career high and he had 10 quarterback kits again was a career high demarcus walker they just signed right now had you know seven sacks last year, a career high, and 16 quarterback hits, and again, in a limited basis. And then Draymond Jones started 13 games last year. So that's what I'm talking about in terms of Ryan Poles. All the touch on it earlier, and I, I tweeted out earlier as well. You know, the fact that he's not going out there willy-nilly, just spending all the, all the cash because he has it, um, I, I appreciate that, especially for, for a young GM. That you know his first job, you know, the first time being a, 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 in charge of, a, of an organization, you know, he's he's showing some restraint, and you know, will it will it pay off at the end? You know, only time will tell. But you know, to sit here and after day one of, of the legal tampering period to to say, you know what, you know, the Bears are, are doomed and gloomed because they didn't get this guy or that guy. All I'm saying is, I tweeted out earlier. I'm like, R E L E X guys, let's just relax. It's a whole long off season. Let's see what happens in the draft. You know, uh, you know, let, let, you know. I'm I'm there with you guys in terms of I want pressure up front. I want guys up front that can be able to you know make plays and allow these linebackers we signed today to make tackles and roam free. But you know, we can't just you know Rome wasn't built in one day, right? That that's the uh, the motto I hear all the time. So let's, let's just see what happens here. This is just a piece of the puzzle. Uh, you know, they they missed out on a couple of the guys, and now they're just kind of adding pieces here. And I'm sure that there's there's plans again. Just you know, we never know. You know, I I. I there's guys out there that I can't say names, Brad, because I don't want to be spreading rumors. But there, you know, there's players out there that we don't think they're available, or could be available, and they're they're, they're defensive linemen. And 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 just just hold on right now, just hold on. Let's, let's see what happens. And if those things don't come to fruition, which you know I'm not saying you know they may or may not, the draft is still there. There are tons of players that I've been profiling and breaking down, and you know, you know, luckily the 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 right tackle position and also the uh, well defensive tackle position isn't as deep. But you know, if if you have accumulated enough picks, which they have, they have four of the of the first top 100. I believe it's six of the top 103. You know, you have an opportunity there to go ahead and, and bring in some defensive linemen that can be part of your rotation and be starters for you eventually too. So let's just see what happens. Let's see let's see the total package here. Uh, the data judge Ryan Poles and what he's done or what did or didn't do this offseason is week one of the NFL season. 
I'm going to come to Jordan's defense here because I did not send him the rundown that I sent you, Danny. So that's why he was jumping ahead. Right. <laughs> but we're going right. to get there as planned. Well, well this <laughs> is the thing. I have a question for Jordan. You've been so hard on Ryan Poles. I have. And, and I have. today it looks like he's he's turned you around. So are you a Ryan Poles fan? No, so I'm not. No, let me be, <laughs> be clear, though. Right. I, I don't I don't necessarily think I'm one way or the other. I, so I've been telling people that are like, hey, give you of apologies. I try my best to be fair and judge in the moment. And I really don't approve of much that went on in the first year. But I also really think that this franchise. It was not a surprise, though, Jordan. That's the thing is like he kind of told us what he was doing. Yeah, you're right. And I mean, I guess so it's a difference of opinion of feeling like, hey, you don't have to totally reset and rip off the bandaid. Now, I'm not talking about quick fixes, but I think that you could have maybe pushed harder than surrendering and just kind of packing it in and putting Justin's body at risk and giving, you know, these these efforts where, look, I mean, it, it's some of the ugliest football I ever watched. When you've talked about it, having Brisker, your rookie safety, being the leading sack uh, artist on your defense, and you're you're paying guys that aren't even there anymore, and Roquan's high in sacks, and he hasn't been on the team since the trade deadline. So I didn't love everything that he did, but to answer your question about where I'm at now and why I'm so happy is this franchise has been missing, I guess you could say just practical, pragmatic, and logical process since probably Jerry Angelo and Lovey Smith. And I mean, we we could talk for 40 minutes and I, as much as Aldo wants to give it to me. But I think what's not even being talked about is the way that he's building the team through. And it's again, it's more than just today, but at least specifically with what you've seen today, when the world is his oyster and he has all the money in the world, the way he's choosing to allocate assets and where he's placing it and what he's capitulating to and what he's not is the difference to me between what makes a good GM and a bad GM. Anybody can throw 20 million at a right tackle and then all of a sudden have to try to patchwork the other pieces of a team. But what you're actually seeing is, hey, you know what? Let me go ahead and throw some money at an off-ball linebacker, you know, maybe uh, any other position, defensive line. And look, I think he's going to spend in D-line. But you know what I know for a fact is I don't think he wants to spend a top 100 pick on an off-ball linebacker and then have to coach that guy up. I think he wants a guy that can kind of come in and do that already. And then the you know what? aren't that deep in this class either. No, and I'll you know what? I'll take a right tackle or I'll take an offensive tackle or one of these value positions a corner when I can pay a fifth of the price for them on a rookie deal and coach them up and get the traits exactly as I want and not have to pay that premium for a value position. The way that you're saying Jawan Taylor and Mike McGlinchey, who's got injury history and all of these guys that have these what ifs that, I mean, if you're really an elite talent at those value positions, you never hit free agency. That's why you have McGlinchey with injury concerns. And Jawan Taylor, everybody wants to talk about how he's some pass pro specialist. And we want to totally ignore that Doug Peterson, Press Taylor, and Trevor Lawrence had the best time to throw rate in the league. And they were running mesh and West Coast concepts that didn't have to put Jawan Taylor in a bad spot pass protecting. But again, that's the nuance and context that nobody wants to consider. They just want to say, I watch the Jaguars play in the playoffs and Jawan Taylor's my right tackle. And if it's at 20 million a year, damn it, that's what we're paying. And that just doesn't jive with me. Right. And then the thing is, is just real quick, you know, if, if they didn't do what they did last year and I, and I, I'm, and I'm all for in terms of, you know, putting Justin Fields in harm's way. Uh, but I think, I think after that was a four or five weeks after that Washington game that they, they kind of figured, Hey, let's, let's find a way to make him. And for that five weeks straight, you know, they're averaging 30 points on defense. I mean, I'm offense. So, and then obviously the, 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 the trades happened on defense and the defense went to, went to shit. And then their, 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 their team was done. But if they didn't do that, they wouldn't have the first pick in the draft this Absolutely. year. They weren't able to trade that and now accumulate picks or, you know, going into next year and so on and so forth. So that's one thing. The other thing is, is 
to, to show the restraint. Like, look what Denver's doing. And, look, and who's, who's running Denver now? It's Sean Payne. He's the same crap, same more, you know, the same thing they did in New Orleans. It's just, you know, overpay these guys in free agency, especially this year where it wasn't a great free aging class. I mean, there are some solid players, some guys that, yes, come in here and improve this, this, this team overall, but they weren't guys that were, you would go and break the bank for. And Denver's breaking the bank for all these guys. And Sean Payne learned under Mickey Loomis and from New Orleans and Ryan Pace learned from Mickey Loomis in New Orleans. And that's what Ryan Pace did with the Bears. And that's why Ryan Poles came in last year and had to clean that crap up and now get back down. So the fact that he's showing restraint and he, and he knows that it's a free agent class, that it's not great, no need to go ahead and, and, and overspend and, and pay these high prices for players that are slightly above average, I would say, you know, not, not even, you know, not even great players. Right. So, you know, the, the great players were, were tagged or, or, or were kept yep. off the market. Right. So, you know, even you know, some guys like I was high on like Javon Hargrave, good, solid player, had a career year in his thirties, didn't fit the profile. Would I have liked to see him on the bears? Sure. But would I have played him with the 49ers? No, because the bears aren't one J- Javon Hargrave away from being a dominant defense. The 49ers probably, are I mean they're already a pretty good defense now they got even better for them so but Draymond Jones another young developing guy would I've liked to see him to come in here play sure but am I paying him 24 million his first year and then what 17 18 million the next two years no I'm not doing that either so that's the thing is like I, I like the fact that he's that he's doing this you know bit by Pete and again I think you agree with me as well Jordan you know to to have a lasting winning program you need to build it through the draft and then just kind of fill in your spots via free agency they're not there in terms of filling in those spots via free agency they're just trying to get this kind of off the ground here and just kind of get you know get building here and moving but the draft is going to be going to be crucial and and i, I think here if you can get a couple more pieces here to kind of solidify a couple of your holes and then not fulfill everything else from the draft and remember guys there's going to be another wave of free agency veteran free agency, if you will, after the draft, you know, after, you know, teams that made selection, made picks, and all, you know, lo and behold, guys or veterans are going to be cut. And then you're going to be able to get guys on one-year deals. Riley Reef was a guy that brought Bears brought in last year. And and while he's not great, he was very serviceable and a very solid upgrade at right tackle for the Bears once he got in there. So, you know, players like that is is what you're going to kind of still have to have the capital and the money for to go ahead and pick these guys up and be able to pounce when you have opportunity. So, you know, I, I know it's it's a big splash. NFL Network puts it on all day. ESPN's on it all day. But it, it's it's the it's the restraint you show in these first couple of you know couple of days where the the, the smart deals. You know, I'm not saying bargain. You know, don't go bargain. You know, basement shopping, but just make smart deals where it doesn't hinder you going forward in terms of your salary cap and in, in the organization overall too. So that's that's the one thing that that has impressed me uh, about him as well. Guys, there's uh, breaking news about the. Uh, Zach Allen, the former yep. Cardinals defensive end, reaching an agreement. On yeah, went, to Denver, yeah, went, to, went to Denver. Once, once Draymond Jones signed with the Seahawks, uh, Denver went and got him, and they gave him $32 million guaranteed. Again, nice player, uh, a guy that, that was playing, you know, uh, five technique. Now, now he goes to Denver, uh, who, who brought – Brought his defensive coordinator from Arizona last year as their defensive coordinator, Vance Joseph. So there's familiarity with the scheme there, familiarity with the, with the coaching staff. So you know that could have been a kick there. But he would have a nice guy. I, I you know he's a he's a guy that could play some base defensive end for you. I saw him as a guy you could probably kick inside to be a defensive tackle. 
but obviously, you know, you know, that's that's a that's a number that that's a bit too high for for a guy that you're kind of just you know kind of projecting as, as at the next level as a defense tackle. So we'll see how how he, how he goes. But again, Denver just throwing the money out there, you know, with McGlinchey and then you know with some of the other players and with Zach Allen, and, and you know, so you know we'll see how it turns out. But I, I just you know I kind of like the, the restraint that Ryan Poles is, is showing so far. And again, just continue to build. He's got ten picks going into this this draft, and you know he's probably going to end up with twelve or thirteen players coming out of it. Just knowing what he does, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of trading down and moving up and down the board. So, um, you know, the, the you know the one guy that I really really want is Tyree Wilson. And if there's a, if there's a way they can come out of this draft with Tyree Wilson, or or, or Jalen Carter, or even a Will McDonald, I'll, I'll I'll be happy in terms of that that defensive front. Let me tackle some of the questions that we have collected. Laz wants to know from you guys, did any of you guys see these two linebacker signings happening today? Jordan, why don't you go first? Not at all. I mean, I and like I said, I'm not. it's not that I'm mad about Edmonds or Edwards. I just thought Okereke was as chalk as it gets, and I became really fond of him studying Eberflus' tape, Colt's tape uh, on bare necessities uh, 10 or so months ago, and so I really thought that was the one that made sense, but – uh, no, I didn't necessarily didn't think that they were, they didn't pay Rokon 20. So I didn't think they were going to go out and give Edmonds 18. Um, and I, you definitely thought a linebacker was going to be signed, but there was no inclination that it would have been Edwards, um, until about like an hour or so before, uh, the tampering period opened. Mm-hmm. What do you think for Dang. me? Yes and no, because Edwards was a guy I earmarked for them to go after. So that, that was a pleasant signing, but I did not expect them to go get two of them. And, and Tremont Edwards was Edmonds. I'm sorry. was, was going to be was a surprise for me. I, I, that was blew me off, you know, off my couch. I'm like, I had no idea they were going to go get two of them today. Uh, and Ab- Edmonds being the, the big ticket guy they got, obviously. So yeah, no, I did not see two linebackers being signed today. Uh, J2K asks, uh, Jordan, I know you really liked Okariki. Some people say Okariki. Some people say it was something else. Do you wish he was one of the linebackers we signed, or are you more happy with the two Eds? I, it's funny. To me, yes, I, I would have preferred Okarike over Edmonds, um, especially knowing what he got from the Giants. But I also understand that things happen for a reason, and it was very clear that for whatever reason – um, it didn't work. Maybe it was Poles that didn't like Okereke. You would presume maybe Borgonzi or, or Flus would have said, bring him in. We know him. But um, I will say this to kind of add a little nuance to it is I certainly don't think, and, and I mean, uh, I'm sure Danny would disagree because he likes Edwards, and so do I. This is not an anti-Edwards thing, but I had Okereke as a step above Edwards. Um, and so to me, what clear this is the nuance is what clearly doesn't work is I cannot pay $50 million guaranteed and 18 a year to Edmonds and then also pay $40 million to uh to okay it just doesn't work i'm not giving that much cap to two linebackers um on my team what i can do is i can afford Edmonds at that 17 18 million a year and annual value and then bring in a again just a small step down from edwards at six million a year as opposed to what is it 10 or so million a year because that's what we're talking about is you hear like the, the washington commanders are in a real stretch where how are you going to pay all these defensive linemen you've got two defensive tackles eating up you know 40 million in a year you're going to be at about 30 million if you pay that exact same contract to okarake at 10 million average a year as well as your 18 a year that's almost 30 for two backers those don't fit together so in some ways, I understand, look, we want to hit, you know, two birds and one stone. I talk about the Duke Tobin approach of instead of one Trey Waynes, go get yourself a Chidobia Wuzier and Mike Hilton. This is that same thing of fine. As much as we'd love to just hit it out the park with one star backer, we're going to find a way to kind of piece it together here. We're going to have Edmonds as kind of the big ticket, but we're also not going to leave it there. We're going to pick up another one in Edwards for a much more modest amount than what O'Karake had. 
Guys, uh, let's get on to um, you guys sharing who you would like to see the Bears uh, target over the next few days in free agency. Who's on your list of players that are still available? And, and if you mention a name that has recently been signed, we'll forgive you because this thing is happening fast and furious. So, Danny, why don't we start with you? <laughs> Well, a couple of guys I had mentioned, and one of them was Zach Allen, which we just saw. He's he's signed already. But you know, uh, another player that you know I think both uh, Jordan and I uh, agree on is is Charles Omenho from uh, from the 49ers. He's a base defensive end, 6'5", 280 pounds. You know, not not a guy that that that's got you know big sack production. They only had four and a half sacks last year with with uh, the 49ers, but sixteen quarterback hits. Again, a guy that can come in and be serviceable in terms of a base defensive end. In terms of the interior, you know, Sheldon Rankins is, is a guy that that's out there as well, a little up up there in, in age. He's a uh, 12 overall pick in the 2016 draft. I believe he's he's actually only 28 years old, but uh, he's a guy that gives you that that quick twitch upfield burst in terms of from the three technique. You know, with them signing uh, Walker today, maybe Rankins is not going to be an option for them. But he's definitely a guy that you know his his highest in terms of sacks was um, eight with with the, uh, with New Orleans back in 2018. So he's a guy that I think would, could give you some of that you know um, pass rush ability. But maybe again with signing Walker, he might be out of the of the picture there. Um, you know, uh, we talked about, you know, Frank Clark. We mentioned him in terms of a guy who was cut. Again, just a guy that can be serviceable, can start up front for you. Um, one one guy that that I, I didn't think I was going to put down here, but, you know, the more he's sitting out there, obviously, C.J. Garner-Johnson is a guy I absolutely love, and I would love to have him on this team. I keep saying it over and over again. So before I forget, let me just mention him, okay? Um, but uh, Byron Murphy, the corner from yes. the Cardinals, is still out there. 25 years old, second round pick with 33rd pick overall, top top of the second round. He's a guy that that obviously comes from that Washington University. You know, we already have you know uh, what's his name here, uh, Keller Gordon. So he's a guy that that plays some outside. I think he'll play some some uh, inside corner in, in terms of nickel as well, some slot corner. So he's an interesting guy. 25 years old. Um, you know, I'm not sure what his market's at or what he's looking for, but definitely a guy, like I said, they're going to get a nickel corner, whether it's in the draft or in free agency. So, you know, Byron Murphy is a guy to keep an eye on. Definitely, again, in that range we're talking about, you know, a guy that's going to come out of his first contract looking for a second contract right where, you know, Ryan Poles is looking for. So Byron Murphy is a guy to look at. And in terms of offensively, I think I think receiver. I mean, you're, you're good there now. You're probably gonna draft one in the third or fourth round. I'm assuming uh, in this. So I think you're good there. Uh, tight end is is a position I I earmarked maybe Mike Gesicki. But again, looking at this tight end position in the draft, it is a, a deep tight end group. Uh, so you know, with accumulating more picks is what I'm assuming they're gonna do. They might take a tight end in the draft. So that's gonna be something they're gonna look at. Obviously, I don't think they're gonna take a linebacker in the draft. Although I, I read somewhere where the uh, Edwards contract can, can be broken down as a one-year, eight million dollar contract, so you know maybe they bring in a guy and you know day three as some as a guy that can kind of take it take a chance on and develop. So we'll see there. But you know tight end is something to look at as well. So uh, in terms of Jefferson, again right tackle, uh, McGarry is, is a guy out there in Atlanta. Um, you know I, I know he's a guy that was a first round pick. You know you know more known more for uh, being you know a, a mauler up front as, as a run blocker than a, than a pass blocker. Uh, but again, that's some guy that if you can get him on the cheap, and you know he's been sitting out there now for you know 24 hours, if you will. Uh, if you can bring him in on a one or two year contract, if his market isn't what he thought it was going to be, you know I, I could that could be something to take advantage of, and you can solidify right tackle until you're. You know, second round pick or, or third round pick comes in and, and develops behind them, and then you can kind of just 
you know, slide that kid in there as well. So, you know, those are some of the players are looking at. Isaac Samola from from Philadelphia is is a is a guard, but again, with Nate Davis on the board now, I'm not sure they can go get another guard unless they have plans to to you know move by Herod Center or just you know make him a post one cut. So there are still some intriguing players out there in terms of free agents that uh, could come in and, and help the Bears. But you know, obviously, you know the, the bigger name guys are, are looks like they're they're coming out, they're coming flying off the boards right now. So. Jordan, don't be afraid to double down on any of those names. Oh, I'm certainly not. It's funny because, I mean, Daddy and I, we're sympathetical. We see eye to eye on the quarter situation. I mean, I think Daddy and I, we love our, our offensive line, but they're just like, you know, maulers. That is kind of what C.J. Gardner-Johnson is to me. He's a guy that um, you want to talk about just brutalizing and beating up slot receivers. You put him down in the box. I mean, he'll fit the run. He's a willing tackler. And obviously we talk about his uh, – please. And he brings a different attitude to the defense. Yes. I mean, he changes the defense. And, and you, you talk about someone that, that brings that dog mentality, and it's it's infectious. The whole defense takes over. Yeah. And, and and also, he he makes plays on a ball. You know, he's a ball hawk. You know, he's six interceptions last year. You know, this is something he did with, with the Saints and obviously this this past year with the Eagles. Again, I know Philly's trying to resign him, so I don't know how, how reasonable you know, that is to, to kind of pry him away from there. But, man, if you can get him on it, that, that just changes your whole complexion of, of your defensive backfield and also what your defense now possesses the, the swagger that, that you want to see out there every weekend and week out. Yeah, he's a spark plug for a defense. And so I love that call. I mean, I mean who knows what his price will be. I, he's one of my my top because he's he is today's defender where he can play safety, he can play nickel. Uh, he's got that versatility. And I mean, Byron Murphy to that same credit. I actually thought Danny Byron Murphy was a guy that would have already been signed. I thought he was mm-hmm. just due for a big ticket uh, contract. He's shown he can play inside and outside and he's a willing tackler. I Funny enough, I remember Byron Murphy probably being the biggest standout when uh, the Bears played Kyler and the Cardinals. Um, was it last year, the year before that? It was a year before that. So um, just a, a really good corner, that somebody that makes sense. And if he is lingering, I wouldn't be surprised if they want to take a chance on him. Again, he's a physical player willing to tackle, and he's athletic and can play inside and out, um, just like his, you know, his teammate uh, at Washington, Kyler. Um, Kyler Gordon, that is. And so for me, just kind of those guys that linger, uh, I know we talk a lot about tackle and George Fant is a guy that I don't think is getting talked about enough. Uh, George Fant is not young. I understand he's 30, but there's still um, not a ton of health concerns there. He's you talk about Riley Reef being that kind of that older veteran that you can pick up for cheap. And uh, I look at positional versatility. George Fant is a guy that's played left. He's played right tackle. Um, he's out there not getting a lot of publicity over guys like, you know, McGarry that are still out there. Um, Yash Nyman and Terrence Steele were actually my top two targets um, as free agents, but I understand they're restricted. So you'd have to give up some type of uh, compensation to go get them. But, you know, that's, there's a discussion there too of Yash Nyman's a guy that has all the versatility in the world, comes from Green Bay, understands Getsy. Uh, so that's a tackle option there for, I believe it's a second round tender if you were to go that route. We talk about center. Um, you still got, got guys like Garrett Bradbury out there, um, center from from Minnesota, who actually had a good year under uh, McConnell, uh, the, the head coach there, as well as having guys like John Feliciano, who opened up that run game for the Giants as a center. He is he can play center or guard. Um, so there's options there on the offensive line, and this is one time. But I'm with you, Danny. I'm not all about bargain bin shopping, but I don't think you always have to go for the big name or – oh, man, what are we going to do because you missed out on the top center? Ethan Pochich is no longer there. There's still options, um, as well as Ben Jones, who I absolutely love. And, you know, you've got Ryan Poles on the record talking about he drafted Creed Humphrey because it reminded him of Ben Jones. And Creed Humphrey is a hell of a player. Um, so if you want to talk about a veteran leader that can come in that has chemistry with Nate Davis, 
um, because he played center for the Titans and can definitely take care of the protection call. So it's off Justin's plate. I think that's a good idea. Um, and then as well as for defense, you talked about it, Charles Omenahu, um, good inside, inside outside versatility player. I think about Samson Ebucan, um, a defensive end there that nobody's really talking about from the 49ers. I don't think that they're going to be able to keep him. Um, he's a nice kind of bendy athletic player, um, has shown it back when he was with the Rams all the way to the 49ers. And then you start talking about guys like Greg Gaines from the Rams who never got enough publicity but can play one tech. I even think he's got enough kind of show to play three tech. Now, I'm not saying he's the most explosive guy, but um, I think he's got versatility to play kind of along that interior line. Um, and then you have guys like Tier Tart, who uh, I understand he came from that odd front, kind of played that four eye for them. But I think he's plenty disruptive and kind of, uh, I guess you could say, a bull in a china shop. Really likes to thrash offensive linemen. So uh, those are the guys that I think of just off the top of my head when I'm thinking about guys that aren't getting talked about, aren't getting discussed as potential options. You still have guys like Yannick Ngakwe out there, who's always consistent as a weak side pass rusher. I don't necessarily think he's leaving. Uh, he's always followed Gus Bradley throughout his career. So I see him probably sticking uh, with the Colts, but there's plenty of options out there. You know, the kid Brendel from, I think he was, he's a, at the 49ers. He's a center. Yeah, Jake Brendel. Guy, you know, so that's another guy that, that obviously the wide zone scheme with, with the Kyle Shanahan system. So you know, he's familiar with what the bears are running here on the get see. So that's, that's another guy in terms of a center competition that you're going to bring in for, for a Lucas Patrick for sure. Guys, uh, great job uh, getting together here on a Monday night after just a few hours after the announcement of these signings and providing instant analysis. Fabulous job. Uh, let's go around the horn and offer up any final thoughts. We'll start with you, Jordan. Uh, again, always, Danny, although thank you so much for having me. This has been a pleasure. It's just fun to talk ball again. Uh, Barflies, thanks so much for tuning in. and. Uh, I've genuinely made it. You'll, as Danny kind of alluded to earlier, I'm really harsh. It sometimes maybe think of people think I'm a little too harsh, but um, I try my best to be just genuine and fair when I think things are going well. And um, from my perspective, and again, I don't, I call it as I see it. If I thought it was bad, I would let you know. But I think there's so much positivity and a swell of good process and procedure and leadership and the right moves being put in place that um, if there's ever been a time to be excited and positive and feel comfortable knowing where the Bears are headed, I think. Uh, you've never picked a better time. Danny Shimin, your thoughts? Yeah, for me, it's just, uh, again, day one, I just want to tell everybody just to, just to kind of, you know, relax. Let, let, let's see what happens. It's it's a, it's a you know, off season that's going to continue on, you know, through the draft and even after the draft once, like that, that second wave of veterans get, get released and cut in. And, you know, I, I was, you know, Looking forward to seeing what they did today as well, and I, th I think they they got off to a to a you know surprisingly good start. I think you know they got two off the ball linebackers where as a position of need, um, obviously, and I think they they got two solid players, um, you know, and I think that this is going to be something that that's going to be built gradually, right? And and just like everyone out here in, in the chat room, just like Jordan, just like Aldo, you know, we all know that they need to add to the defensive line, need to add to the offensive line. And I think they're going to do that. Let's, let's see what Ryan Poles and, and Ian Cunningham and everyone else up there does in terms of fulfilling out this roster. And, and let, let's judge them on, on what their, that roster looks like week one, not, not, you know, day one of, of the t legal tampering period. So uh, just, just, I ask everyone just to be patient and let, let's see what happens here. Um, you know, and, uh, and I, I think, you know, going into, going into the draft, I think what's he, what he wants to do is just set this up where he doesn't have a glaring need going into the draft. So uh, I think that that's what Ryan Poles like to do. And I think he wants to be open for, again, for the word that he uses a lot is flexibility. And he wants to be flexible and be able to either trade down or trade up if he needs to. 
Um, uh, but I, I hope he trades it down because I want more picks. That's just me. But, uh, <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll see what goes there. But uh, definitely, let, let, let's just my, my message to you guys is just let's take it. Take a deep breath. Let's see what happens. Obviously, some of the bigger names are off the board, but let's let's see what what he does here. And, and and you know, once it comes around, the league year starts, trades can happen. They can be official, and we never know what's going to pop up. So, take a deep breath and let, let's let's see what happens here in the rest of the off season. Guys, you brought it tonight as you always do uh, when you're on the Barroom Network. And I want to thank everyone in the chat. We had a, a record crowd. I saw the number 400 uh, hit uh, my little marker. So lots of Jordan uh, brings the crowd out. Jordan brings brings <laughs> his me. fans with him. <laughs> not me. I always, wish that's not me. <laughs> always seems that when there's a big transaction involving the Bears, uh, the bar room uh, is the place to go to. So really appreciate everyone who has jumped in into the bar, and thank you to Retro for the nice tip. Um, we'll let you know that tomorrow night at 8 p.m. Central, it'll be Bear Their Souls. We'll talk about all the latest news coming from Hallisaw and what Ryan Poles is coming up with. And then on Wednesday morning, it will be Gabriel Talks Football. And uh, Greg, um, I wanna see, I'm going to really put him on the spot because he texted me some insider information. I'm going to try to get him to announce that to all of you and <laughs> watching live or, or watching on demand. And again, the best way to stay on top of everything that we do here at the Barroom is to subscribe to this channel, Barroom Network, or to follow me at Barroom Network on the Twitter handle. And don't forget to fo follow Jordan T. Silvera, and I'll spell that for you. Uh, the last name is S-I-L-V-E-I-R-A. That's all one word, Jordan T. Severa. And, of course, Danny Shimon is at D-S-H-I-M-O-N-5-6. Jets, Jets. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers' new uh, – new, uh, well, Oh, no. my gosh. We yeah. didn't even talk about that train. Talk about, a, talk about a prima donna. Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I got to say this. This guy is a drug addict. You know, and I can't believe any team would want to wait on him to make a decision. He's probably stoned in some cave somewhere. Move on. They should have. The judge well, should have signed Garoppolo. I, I think it's. I think it's already. It's. It's done because a lot of his teammates are, are are tweeting that you know some stuff that that lets you to believe that it's it's there. But I, I don't know what they're waiting for in terms of the final. You know, like is he does he does not want to happen today. He wants to have the spotlight to himself, and because yep. you know, a lot of players are, are going to be signing today. He wants to make sure he has the, the top headline. I, I don't know what whatever it is, but it's Good if you're the Jets, why would you put yourself in a situation where year after year you're going to be begging this guy to come play? It's not going to change. It's well, yeah, the, I mean, the Jets are an organization organizational example of dysfunction where they can never seem to get that quarterback position right, and so it but, doesn't but, necessarily shock me. But Joe Douglas did it the right way. He built that team through the draft. Yeah. They have they have tons of talent, especially on defense. And it's like you know, all you need is a competent quarterback, whether it's Jimmy Garoppolo or or, or somebody else. Pick a pick a competent quarterback out there, and you go and, and I know I know it's Aaron Rodgers, and I know you know you'd rather have Aaron Rodgers than Jimmy Garoppolo. But I'm just saying, like year after year, you're gonna have to deal with this drama that's gonna you know can take over your, your team. Eventually, you're gonna get tired of it. And it's eventually it's gonna fester into your locker room, and it, it's gonna. It's going to cause problems. I just, I just don't. The Packers are openly saying that he had a great career here. Like they want to get done with him. They're, they yeah. want to be. They're talking about him as in the past tense. I mean, that's how bad they want to get rid of him. So, I, I, just, I don't know what, what the Jets are doing. But oh well. Lamar. <clears throat> that's that's what that's what I would do. I'd say go ahead and send your two ones for Lamar and give him a contract that the Baltimore Ravens can't match and um, see what you can do there. But you yeah, know, that's me. 
Great stuff. We can easily go on the two hours, uh, but uh, we love to keep the audience wanting more, wanting more. That's an old show, show business uh, slogan. So with that, I'll uh, say thank you, Jordan Silvera. Thank you, Danny Shimon. And thank you, everyone who joined us live and let people know that this show is available on demand. Take care, everybody. Right now.